Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. I'd like to be able to... Anyway. I'm... My mind's going blank now. What's happening? What, what, I can't remember. My mind's going blank now. What are you talking about? What the hell's going on here? Where the hell are My mind's going blank now. I can't remember. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. What am I doing here? My mind's going blank now. Where am I heading? I keep forgetting I'm president. Where am I? No idea. I don't think there's the idea. Ah, what's up with this microphone here? Lou, it's a little flaccid here. Um, where's the Viagra to make it a little turgid here? Well, what's been happening this morning? I, I was listening to Sid this morning. He was like, oh, morose, down in the dumps. We'll get to that later on. But I must tell you, this is the lunchtime edition here at WABC. 45 minutes of rip and read and commentary. And actually, we start with the President of the United States, who's on his global escapade. Started out with uh, Dictator for Life, uh, Zhaji in Egypt. And then it went over to uh, Cambodia, home of the pedophiles, Lou. Uh, from North America and Europe, they flock to Cambodia. Well, while the President was speaking to an international delegation as they were discussing the effects of global warming climate change... He once again uh, had his Biden faux pas of the day, referring to Cambodia as Colombia. And now uh, that we are back together here in Cambodia, I look forward to building uh, even stronger progress than we've already made. And I want to thank the prime minister of for Colombia's leadership and the ASEAN, ASEAN chair. Madonna, my. It's every day. It's every, another day, another Biden faux pas. But, hey, he's riding high in the saddle. He was expected to get completely wiped out with a red tsunami. It's been a bit of a red trickle. As uh, we saw Pelosi, who was begging over the weekend, please, I don't want to leave the Speaker of the House. Oh, my husband just got attacked. Come on. I, I should be Speaker of, of the House in perpetuity. My God. And then, of course, the schmuck to putz Chuck E. Cheese Schumer on uh, Saturday night, dancing the horror, saying, ah, I'm still in charge, still the majority leader, proving white men have no rhythm whatsoever as he puts his hands in the air like he just doesn't care. Well, guess what? Just breaking news. And from our news director, Noam Layden, our president uh, completed his meeting with uh, dictator for life, Xi, emperor of red China. And this is what he came out to say to the... um, Assembled International Press Corps. Donald Trump has convinced a, a percentage no, of our... No, no, It's uh, the President of the United States. 1.5. Uh, that's right. You just loaded it in there. It came from Noam Layden. Breaking news. Breaking news. Our policy in Taiwan has not changed at all. It's the same exact position we've had. I made it clear that we want to see cross-strait issues peacefully resolved. Well, well, well it's at me. I mean, if you happen to be on that island of Formosa, remember established by Chiang Kai-shek when he fled the mainland from Mao Zedong and the Red Horde, and he took over Formosa. Remember as kids, we used to get baseball mitts, uh, pancake mitts, if you couldn't afford a Rawlings or a Spalding. 
you ended up with a baseball mitt. You tucked it underneath your wing. You didn't want anybody to see that it was made in Formosa. Remember, Formosa was a cheap glove. Then they changed the name to Taiwan. So I guess everybody on the island of Taiwan is uh, like, oh, yeah, I feel so much better that the president of the United States uh, sat down with President Xi. Could I hear that again, Lou? Could I hear the president? This is breaking news. He just came out of the summit with President Xi, emperor of Red China. Our policy on Taiwan has not changed at all. It's the same exact position we've had. I made it clear that we want to see cross-strait issues peacefully resolved. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we want to know, hey, gee, you're going to invade Taiwan, huh? You're going to pull a Putin, uh, what he did to the Ukraine and Zelensky? Inquiring minds want to know. And then when you looked at both sides, and how ridiculous this was, Lou. So on one side, you have all the red Chinese sickle fans, toadies, and lackeys of the Emperor for Life, G. They're all wearing masks, but not Xi. Then on the other side, at the United States table, you have all the sycophants, toadies, and lackeys of Biden. They're all wearing masks, but not the president of the United States, Biden. So let me get this straight. If you happen to be an apparatchik of Emperor Xi or President Biden, you are in danger of getting a new variant of COVID-19 in Bali, in Indonesia. Oh, Bali, that's where all the Australians go to be decadent, uh, debaucherous. You know, whatever happens in Bali stays in Bali, even though it's a Muslim country. But anyway, I digress. The point is, why is it that everybody sitting at the table is wearing a mask on the red Chinese side, but not G? And then everybody on the American side is wearing a mask, but not Joe Biden. You would think... That our president, who has had, what, COVID-19 like four times now with, like, how many boosters has he had? Four boosters. <laughs> how ridiculous. And then back on the trail to um, to basically defrock Donald Trump as the next Republican candidate to battle for the presidency, as Joe Biden insisted, as he went in on his globe-trotting trip from uh, dictator for life Xi in Egypt to Cambodia that he thought was Colombia, to now Bali and Indonesia. He insisted he's running for another four years. But the Republicans, they're manning up and womaning up, and they're deciding they're going to swim to the good ship, USS Never Trumper, the Rhino Express. And here's one who jumped uh, the ship quite a long time ago. Shamu! El Jefe, Chris Christie, who has his eyes once again on running for the Republican nomination to become the president. Has convinced a percentage of our party that the election in 2020 was stolen. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. But what I think has happened is, and what you saw in these elections were two things. One, there were a lot of Republicans who did not vote for those election deniers because if they had, they would have won. Um, secondly, and independents almost certainly. And that's my against. next point. And uh, independents are sending a very clear message to the Republican Party. If you're going to go for the Trump style stuff in terms of the rhetoric, in terms of the conduct, um, those kind of things, and certainly the election tonight, we're not going to vote for you. This is the first time that a party that's held the White House has won independence in 20 years. And the message for that is Trump is dragging the party down. <laughs> so we know that Shamuel Hefe, Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, is planning on running in the Republican primary. 
We know that Pence, who uh, has his book uh, coming out this week, is planning to run in the Republican primary. And then, of course, the looming factor of DeSantis and everybody seems to be jumping on board. Who, who, who is this guy, Sununu? I mean, everybody in New Hampshire's name is Sununu. You know, Syrian Christians from Lebanon, they came over years and years ago. They've been winning every election. Grandfather, father, now son, Chris Sununu. So naturally, he was flexing on the weekend because, you know, they're putting the boots to the back of Donald Trump's head as they try to vanquish him. And listen to what this, uh, no no other word to describe him, Lou, he's a peckerhead. Listen to what this peckerhead had to say. I, I, well, maybe, I suppose, I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of folks are talking about that. But look, I, I got a state to run. Uh, unlike Congress, I don't get vacation. It's a 24-7 job, 365. 24-7 job being governor of the state of New Hampshire, the Granite State, the state of live free or die. Uh, again, Lou, can I hear that real quick? Who the hell is talking about Chris Sununu running for the presidency? Listen to this egomaniac. I, I, well, maybe, I suppose. I don't know. Um, you know, a lot of folks are talking about that. But look, I, I got a state to run. Uh, unlike Congress, I don't get vacation. It's a 24-7 job, 365. Oh, please spare us how hard you work, Chris Sununu. I, I realize you must be it's grueling around the clock. What is it with these guys, Democrats and Republicans? If you didn't want to run for office, spare us. You're supposed to be a selfless servant. You're not. We'll probably look at your stock portfolio and your bank account, and it's been fattened up ever since you followed in the lineage of your father and grandfather. But anyway, put that aside. Lou, you know what happened. Days ago at Mar-a-Lago, Donald Trump summoned his wartime consigliere, Roger Stone. And Roger Stone laid it out for him what he knows about DeSantis. Because remember, Roger Stone is from the dark side. Roger Stone is the Republican hitman going back to Richard Nixon. He actually has a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. Every Republican running for the presidency, even Al Slim Shady Sharpton, when he ran in the Democratic primary to become president, He had Roger Stone as his campaign manager, his shadow campaign manager, because his whole role in being in the Democratic primary was to weaken the other Democratic candidates, which he did. This is the nefarious way of Roger Stone. He is a political hitman extraordinaire. So after he leaves his meeting in Mar-a-Lago, Lou, he goes to Memphis to do the Pillow Man's uh, TV program. You know, my pillow guy. And he's four blocks from Elvis's mansion. He's in a Ford Expedition. Expedition. And then all of a sudden he gets T-boned by an 18-wheel tractor trailer. It just smashed that Ford Expedition into smithereens. Luckily, Roger Stone walked away. They have not caught the driver. They have not uh, requisitioned that 18-wheel tractor-trailer. Can I hear the sound of it again? He survived. Then all of a sudden, Lou took out his cell phone, and you know who he called, the Don. He called Donald Trump, and he said, The war is on, Donald. The Turk, Salazzo, DeSantis. Remember, DeSantis' lineage is from Avellino. They were Italians who immigrated here to America like so many others. 
and settled in Pennsylvania and then did the hop, skip, and a jump from Avellino in Italy over to uh, Pennsylvania and then down to the Jacksonville area of Florida. He's like the Turk. He's like Salazzo or the Godfather. So when uh, Donald Trump's daughter was getting married on Saturday and it looked like uh, quite the wedding in Mar-a-Lago, afterwards, Donald Trump Jr., Eric, the youngest son, and the consigliere, I know this for a fact, having spoken to Rudy Giuliani, my, my kumbaricic, got together in a side room and discussed what the plan would be now that DeSantis, the Turk, Salazzo, tried to whack Roger Stone, the wartime consigliere. Sonny, we ought to hear what they have to say. No, 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 no more. Not this time, consigliere. No more meetings, no more discussions, no more Salazzo tricks. You give him one message, I want Salazzo. Now it's all out war, we go to the Some back. Some of the other families won't sit still. They may hand me Salazzo. Your father wouldn't want to hear this. This is business, not personal. They shot my father. Even the shooting of your father was business, not personal, Sonny. Well, then business will have to suffer, all right? And listen, do me a favor, Tom. No more advice on how to patch things up. Just help me win, please, all right? Doesn't that sound like Donald Trump Jr., hot-headed as he is, as opposed to Eric the younger brother of the Trump family. And doesn't that sound like uh, my combati chief Rudy Giuliani now that he has been lulled to sleep by Sid Rosenberg? You know, Sid Rosenberg, who is trying to negotiate his sit-down between Rudy Giuliani and uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan as mayor of the city of New York. I just, uh, I just want to warn everybody. And I've said it over and over, and I know it pisses the hell uh, off of uh, Sid Rosenberg. He was complaining about it. Uh, Lou, go to number 11 here, please. Number 11, because I had a sit-down with Rudy Giuliani, and I explained this to him at length last night. Now listen, whoever comes to you with this Barzini meeting, he's a traitor. Don't forget that. And I insisted to Rudy, Rudy, the person who has come to you with his meeting with Eric Adams, a man who has called you a racist time and time again, who has besmirched you as the great mayor that you were, who has ridiculed you, who has said he preferred Dinkins when, in fact, at the time he said you made the better mayor because you were law and order and Dinkins was soft. The person who has set this meeting up, with Barzini, in this case, Eric Adams, is a traitor, and that is Sid Rosenberg. New York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. Lou, uh, this is a marriage that I attended many years ago in Williamsburg in the Satmar community. I forget which one of the title bombs, uh, nieces and nephews. Five hours, like whirling dervishes. They were moving up and down the dance floor, men with men, women with women, then the groom in a chair and the uh, bride in a chair. I mean, I got vertical. It was like EDM, electronic dance music. 
I wonder, because we know the Satmar, we're not watching TV Saturday Night Live, when Dave Chappelle took to the stage, but all of a sudden there was Jonathan Greenblatt, formerly with Barack Obama, the president, and he claimed uh, now as the head of the Anti-Defamation League that Dave Chappelle was perpetuating and popularizing anti-Semitism. It's like, well, what is the Anti-Defamation League? They live, they live to raise money off of things that they claim are anti-Semitic. Like, look at what Kyrie Irving, right? They took his $500,000. He wouldn't even meet with them. Oh, they took the money, which actually feeds into the whole trope, the stereotype that some will say about Jews, that it's all about the money. Although that's actually the battle cry of our uh, mayor, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. We'll get to that momentarily. So let's uh, let's dissect and bisect exactly what Dave Chappelle did on the stage in his opening monologue of Saturday Night Live when he was uh, talking about <laughs> his homies. You know, Kanye West, I don't think people realize. Remember, Kanye West was moving up the ranks, a.k.a. Yeezy, a.k.a. And Dave Chappelle had him on as a guest of a show that was blowing up years ago. And Kanye just took it from there, and he just continued to soar. He had uh, all kinds of meetings, TMZ, everyone else, in which he was talking about how Hitler was a great man, and he admired the Nazis, and everybody just said, well, that's Kanye. That's AKA Yeezy. That's Yee. Uh, He's moving up the ranks. We don't want to include that in the interview. This goes back to 2018. And now people were coming out of the woodwork and saying, yeah, we'd have meetings and Kanye will be talking about how Hitler was a great man and he admired the Nazis. And none of that ever saw the light of day until his rantings. And in fact, Chappelle puts it all in perspective because he was a very dear friend of Kanye West. And then the DEFCON 3. Vaguely, I remember it started with a tweet, strange tweet. It was like, um, I'm feeling a little sleepy. <laughs> give me some rest, but when I wake up, I'm going to go DEFCON 3 on the Jews. And then he just went to bed. I was up all night worried. What is he going to do to the Jews? Hilarious. But then again, the Anti-Defamation League says... He was feeding the beast, Dave Chappelle. Then he went on to talk about how Kanye said there was just no way that Adidas could ever drop him. Couldn't drop him. But when he woke up, he went on Drink Champs again. This time, he was on one. He was mad about something. He said, I can say anti-Semitic things. And Adidas can't drop me. Now what? Adidas dropped that immediately. Adidas was founded by Nazis. And they were offended. I guess the students are past the teacher. <laughs> hey, hey, Anti-Defamation League. Hey, hey, Greenblatt, you consider that to be uh, anti-Semitic? What a schmuck, what a putz. And here's uh, Dave Chappelle talking about Kyrie Irving posting... Uh, about that uh, film. Very funny, very funny. 
Kyrie Irving's black ass was nowhere near the Holocaust. In fact, he's not even certain it existed. <laughs> and then Dave Chappelle talking about Jews in Hollywood, Lou. Well, I've been to Hollywood. No one's y'all to get mad at me. I'm just telling you, I've been to Hollywood. This was just what I saw. It's a lot of Jews. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? There's a lot of black people in Ferguson, Missouri. That doesn't mean the place. Hilarious. But, uh, Lou, that's anti-Semitic, quoting to the Anti-Defamation League. And a guy who's probably looking to shake down Dave Chappelle... Jonathan Greenblatt to CEO. Get out of here, Jonathan. And then, and then Dave Chappelle goes one step further as he talks about Jews running show business. I can see if you had some kind of issue, you know what I mean? You might go out to Hollywood and you might, might start connecting some kind of lines and you could maybe adopt the delusion that the Jews run show business. It's not a crazy thing to think but it's a crazy thing to say out loud. And a kind of like this. So, ladies and gentlemen, you heard some of the cuts. It was great monologue. But again, the Anti-Defamation League, this, this person of no consequence, the ADL CEO, Jonathan Greenblatt, said that Dave Chappelle is guilty. And NBC and Saturday Night Live, in collusion with him, of feeding the beast of popularizing anti-Semitism. My God, lighten up, man. Relax. He's a comedian. He's a satirist. Wow. No, Mark Twain was like, what, what, the original satirist Will Rogers followed in which he would say things and they were being condemned for it? You know, everybody was upset with them years ago. Everybody's upset with Dave Chappelle, but he, he hits the nerve. He walks right up to the edge. He doesn't cross over. But in that last one, Lou, let's face it. Look at our colleague here at WABC, Sid Rosenberg. He's just completed what will be a great movie to be released in theaters probably in a few months. And he's made the final cut. That's right, Sid Rosenberg starring in Gemini Lounge. Gemini Lounge is a place uh, in which a lot of the Gabons, the Jadruls, the knuckle draggers, and in fact, the Jewish guy, the first guy there, Chris Rosenberg, uh, went to on a regular basis and khashoggi their victims. I mean, not only stabbed them up, turned them upside down upstairs off Troy Avenue, and then basically bled them out and buried their body parts in the dump in Fresh Creek, uh, which is right near Canarsie. And I knew all these Gabons. And I said to, uh, I said to Sid, now that you're a big star, uh, why didn't you uh, play the part of the Jew, Chris Rosenberg, Mad Dog Chris Rosenberg? No, not Chris Russo from WFAN days. No, 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 no. Mad Dog Chris Rosenberg. He said, no, 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 I wasn't going to play that. But I will tell you this. Sid's big star now. I thinks he's a kingmaker. And, Lou, we got to straighten him out, Lou. If it's the last thing we do, we got to straighten out Sid because he's now sitting in a position in which he believes that he can do a shidduch. He can bring together Eric Adams, the swagger man mayor with no plan, 
And uh, Rudy Giuliani, who everyone recognizes, was the greatest law and order mayor in the history of New York City. And remember, Eric Adams has besmirched. Uh, Mayor Rudy Giuliani has called him a racist, called him a Trumper. He's not an ever-Trumper. You don't see Rudy jumping the ship. No, 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 no. (laughs) He's taking a bullet for Trump. But listen, listen to what one of the callers uh, on the many hours of the weekend that I do where WABC uh, stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis had to say about this attempt by uh, our own Sid Rosenberg to bring together Eric Adams and Rudy Giuliani. Well, remember, Sammy, Sammy, you are a veteran of Howard Beach. You know on both sides across Bay Boulevard, old Howard Beach, new Howard Beach. We got two different teams. Right, but remember what was said by the Godfather. Remember the famous statement the Godfather made. Now listen, whoever comes to you with this Barzini meeting, he's the traitor. Don't forget that. Sammy. Well, that, that fits him to a T because I've got to tell you, I can't believe that he would think the hubris that he possesses to think that he can, you, you know, put Rudy and Eric Adams together. That was Sammy from Howard Beach. This guy knows on one side, old Howard Beach of the Bananos, new Howard Beach of the Gambinos. He knows the deal. And we'll see how this plays out. Lou, uh, you can convey this to uh, your very dear friend in the morning, Sid Rosenberg. I have done an intervention. I am trying to convince Michael Badencic, Rudy Giuliani, not to go to that meeting. And you know how Rudy is such a follower of the Godfather. He can repeat the lines. I must have said it three times last night in my half-hour conversation with Rudy in which I said, don't do it. Now listen. Whoever comes to you with this Barzini meeting, he's a traitor. Don't forget that. Hopefully, I made inroads with Rudy to be continued. Meantime, what a great interview Sunday. Now, how do I know? Because I'm on all weekend long. I'm on from 3 to 5 on Sunday. But before me is Joan Hamburg. She is the... She is the uh, number one female broadcaster of all time in the tri-state area, originally with WR and WABC, but preceding her. And you don't want to mess with Cindy Adams. In fact, you check out her column. It's all about the conversation she had with Sarah Palin from 1 to 2. You can get it on the podcast here at WABCradio.com. She's talking to Sarah Palin. She's at Reagan Airport in D.C. on her way to catch a flight to Toronto to hook up with her, uh, her, uh, the love of her life now, Ron Duque. You remember Ron Duque, Lou, remember? He refused to wear a helmet. I mean, he refused under all circumstances. And what happened? The Rangers traded him away to Detroit. What a mistake. But anyway, Sarah Palin was talking with Cindy Adams right here at WABC about global warming, climate change, and all of a sudden some Gabon bum-rushed her. It's the liberal radicals who use, say, global warming as a fundraiser for their, for all of it. Oh, somebody's um, interrupting me, Cindy, as I'm speaking. Hey, I'm, I'm voicing my opinion. Okay, you can, you can move. It's not a public space. It's a public space. Okay, I'll lower my voice. 
Oh, tell him to go screw himself. Pardon the expression. I just mumbled it as he walked off. Too bad about him. I don't know who he is. He's probably a Democrat. Go, go. Keep talking to me. I love talking to you. And uh, Sarah went on to say, Mother Earth will always heal herself. She uses homeopathic, holistic measures not to worry about Mother Earth. Now, Lou, what, what would the situation have been? Imagine if Ron Duguay was looking in the mirror, combing his hair at that time, when this Gabon bum-rushed his girlfriend, Sarah Palin. I guarantee you he would have cross-checked him, he would have hip-checked him, he would have slammed him and jammed him. And speaking of slamming and jamming and doing a <laughs> shift and pivot, which is really a flip-flop, Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, returned from San Juan, Puerto Rico, with his police commissioner, Sewell, who was there all week getting wine-dined in pocket line by the crypto bandits, the Ponzi schemers, the blockchain criminals, who were actually giving lots of donations since they now have a haven in Puerto Rico, uh, a no-tax zone, a shelter for all of them, giving donations to the Democrats hand over fist. And it comes to find out that Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, not only closed the tent at Orchard Beach, closed the tent on Randall's Island, which cost us a few million dollars, but is now going to be housing um, 600 single, able-bodied Venezuelan men, he claims, in the Watson Hotel in Midtown. Now, when you add to that, there's 52 separate hotels where the illegal aliens are being housed as we speak. At the beginning of the week, before he, uh, he left to Puerto Rico, as the crime crisis continued here and the police commissioner, Sewell, was already there, missing in action all the time. We never knew that uh, she was away because she does nothing at the police department. Anyway, he said he needed a billion dollars from Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, who he helped elect to deal with the illegal alien situation. Then he scaled it back and said, well, it'll cost about $600 million, not the billion dollars that I had assumed. But when you look at the 52 hotels, when you look at the Watson Hotel, which is not an LLC. Remember, there are LLCs to protect themselves. Anonymous individuals who are housed offshore in Antigua or the Cayman Islands or parts unknown in which you never know who the owners are. But if you eventually find out, no doubt they're friends of Kathy Crimewave Holcomb and Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan and made many donations. In this case, the Watson Hotel has a CEO, and I'm going to be digging in on it as to how generous he has been to Eric Adams. Because remember, the battle cry of Eric Adams is not to end crime in the streets, the subways, the parks, or the schools. This is his battle cry. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. That's what he believes. That's what he does every day. That's his mantra. That's his whole purpose in being mayor of the city of New York and doing worse of a job than comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope did imagine in eight years. In eight years! He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Classic Steve Miller. Take the money and run. 
And you know, that's synonymous with this uh, little uh, pisher, this schmendrick, this guy named Sam Bankman Freed. Never trust anybody with three names. But he is so epitomizes hipsters and millennials. The guy looked like he was in summer camp, you know, wearing shorts, unkept, like he had just rolled out of a bunk bed. And yet, people were investing millions, no, make that billions, in FTX, this company that he was the CEO from. Just six months ago, MSNBC was all uh, fatuts over him. CNNBC, oh, you're, you're like, oh, my God, there's Elon Musk. And then there's Sam Bankman Freed, the cryptocurrency Ponzi scammer. And listen to what he had six, to say six months ago. How did you do this so quickly? I mean, your company is two years old, and you're doing something like $400 billion worth of volume per month, which is 25 times what you did a year ago. How did you get the uptake uh, at scale so fast? You know, it, it was really just a lot of small things put together, a lot of decisions that we've made around how to build the product, trying to be as responsive as we can to customers, to regulators, to counterparties. And, you know, uh, you know, honestly, from our perspective, it's it sometimes feels like the world is just going sort of in slow motion around us and that we're going at, you know, about an average speed by our standards. It's a Ponzi scam. I've been warning you. Bitcoin bandits, blockchain criminals, cryptocurrency Ponzi schemers, right? Come on. And then all of a sudden, it reminded me when I saw this guy who's either fleeing to Dubai or Argentina for the last tango in uh, <laughs> in Argentina. It reminded me, remember, of Dr. Evil when he was giving us his Wikipedia? Very well. Where do I begin? My father was a relentlessly self-improving boulangerie owner from Belgium with low-grade narcolepsy and a penchant for buggery. My mother was a 15-year-old French prostitute named Chloe with webbed feet. My father would womanize, he would drink, he would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. Sometimes he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy, the sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. My childhood was typical. Summers in Rangoon, luge lessons. In the spring, we'd make meat helmets. When I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. Sam Bankman Freed on the lamb, the Bernie Madoff of the hipsters and millennials. Anyway, you can go uh, on the podcast and see more of that. All weekend long, I was railing against this guy. In fact, I want to thank Trinity Rehab because they have provided me with a digital home here at 77 WABC. You can look at the Curtis News Network video podcast. You can see all my social media posts. You go to wabcradio.com slash Curtis. So if you miss anything... You can catch it up on the backside at wabcradio.com slash Curtis.